Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod. We are back after a little absence last week. We're sorry about that, but we are now recharged and ready to go with a big round nine review and a round 10 preview. We are at the end of the home and away season, which is incredible. I can't believe how quickly it has gone, but there has been plenty happening, which means there is plenty to talk about. So we better crack straight into it. Uh, before we begin, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you have me, Marissa Lodanik, and Anna Harrington. So like I said, Harrow, plenty to talk about. We'll do a quick recap of the round nine results because it was a very big round, a very important round. So we started things off on Friday night. The Crows beat the Cats by two in what was a very entertaining game. Um, we had the Suns beating the Blues by 27. North were big winners over the Pies by 32 points in what was, a, I think, a statement game. That's a, a very big statement from the Roos. Frio got a win over the Swans by 14. The Dogs beat the Eagles by 32. The Lions defeated Hawthorne by 54. The Saints were very close winners over Port. They only beat them by two. Richmond up in Mildura beat the Giants by 43 and the Dees beat the Dons by 41. So like I said, Lots to talk about in there, but the first game I mentioned was that Crows v Cats game, and I think that's absolutely where we have to start because it was so close. I think I read somewhere the margin never exceeded eight points, so it was an arm wrestle from the beginning and it never stopped being an arm wrestle. What did you make of this match? How much did you enjoy watching it? You muted. <laughs> muted. I was like... <laughs> Off to a good start. I was actually going to say before I got stuck into the action, Marissa, I believe congratulations are in order. You started full-time at ESPN at the House of Mouse. I, I, we I, I thought we were going with a different congratulations. The reason that our good friend Sarah Burt is not on today's pod is because she got married. So it's a big congratulations to Sarah as well. We're all... Uh, and achieving. it's her birthday. It is. It's big week for Sarah and she's living it up on her honeymoon. So we obviously can't wait to have her back, but we do hope she's having an absolutely phenomenal time and a great birthday. We didn't need to talk about my news. All-time deflection. <laughs> I don't have any interesting or exciting news about me, Marissa. So congratulations to you. Congratulations to Sarah. Happy birthday, Sarah. Yes. And what better way birthday. to celebrate than to talk about the arm wrestle of the weekend? <laughs> Please, the floor is yours. I mean, this just shows how far Geelong have come, doesn't it? Like you looked at those early wins, like in the first few rounds, where they were really, really stingy defensively, but the question mark was over. But do they actually have the attacking flair that will, you know, when push comes to shove, that actually counts? Like, because defence is obviously important, you know, defence wins premierships, but you've got to be able to score. Because when you play teams like Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, they can score really heavily, really quickly. Um, and this is, yeah, almost finals-like atmosphere. And Geelong stood up. Georgie Prasparkas is a young star. McDonald's fantastic. Both McDonald's are fantastic, to be fair. But I was thinking of Amy McDonald in this sense, who I thought was, uh, yeah, very good every time I've watched Geelong play. Has been influential, can go off half-back, can go through the midfield. Um, just goes and goes and goes and is consistently very good. 
<clears throat> and then, of course, when you got Adelaide with that one-two punch of Hatchard and Marinoff in the middle, it's always going to make your life difficult. And I think ultimately a bit of experience held sway when the the game got tight and and difficult, Marissa. Um, it's, it's hard when you play a team like that. <laughs> They've won three premierships. A lot of players in that team have won at least two. Um, but full, I think full credit to Geelong. Of course, credit to Adelaide for winning. They're very good at finding a way to win. They're, that's why they're such a quality team. But Geelong, geez, it, you'd have to be pretty excited coming into, into finals, right? You absolutely would. And I think that's the most exciting part of this. Like, obviously, Geelong... Uh, pretty confidently in the eight we'll be playing finals but knowing that this is what could be dished up and this is the kind of performance we could see from the cats that's exciting particularly for cats fans but for neutrals obviously as well because it was a really good contest it was really really enjoyable I love what you said about the kind of both teams had one-two punches in their midfield, whether it be a Hatchard and Marinoff for the Crows or a McDonald and Prasparkas for Geelong. And the fact that they were so evenly matched, I think obviously contributed to this really close contest, this really tight um, arm wrestle. But the fact that this is what we could be seeing in finals only bodes well for the competition and bodes well for where we're going. But like you said, it really speaks volumes of how much Geelong has progressed. I know a lot of the preview chat was, you know, they've recruited well, they've always shown kind of maybe signs and glimmers of what they could do, but will they have enough time in the really short off season to pull things together, to make things work, to make it cohesive? And by the looks of it, they absolutely have done that. So full credit to everyone down at Geelong. They've They've figured it out and it it's working, even though we're, we're talking about them like they've won. They still lost in the end. But if this is where they're at, surely more winning football and successful football is coming their way. Nina Morrison still has mm-hmm. tons of potential. Like after her injury run, it, it can take, take a couple of years to find your footing again. And I think she might be one of those players who will have really benefited from the back-to-back seasons, like just in terms of, well, not literally back-to-back, but the short turnaround, right, between the seasons because just getting some consistent footy under her belt will be really good. But geez, how good is Chloe Shear? Obviously a former Crow, Premiership Crow, had had um, bad injuries. I thought she was great when I was watching it by a couple of weeks ago. And she just, yeah, she just seems to be getting better. Like, um, I think it was against Essendon, she was really good. And she did it again. She looks like a proper powerful forward, like can market, can kick goals from anywhere, just really exciting player. Um, and you noted this, Marissa, I can't take credit for this. You know, this this win was really important for Adelaide in the sense they had to do it without Chelsea Randall. Um, the first game that they've had to that they've had to be without her because she's going to be she's going to miss these last two rounds and now the final round of the of the home and away or regular season and it was a three to five week injury so that puts her out of at least one final and if she misses a full five weeks she wouldn't return again until the grand final I mean I'm not even going to enter a debate about that because if Chelsea Randall is like touch and go and she's erring on the side of being able to go in a grand final you pick her but you got to get there right and this is probably a, a good test of what Adelaide can do without probably their most important player. Like Hatchard and Marinoff are fantastic, but Randall's versatility, her leadership, her aerial presence, her toughness. I think she's been um, voted as the most courageous player by her peers like a record number of times. Like she's just quality and not having her out there is a huge blow. As we saw in that, that grand final, 
a couple of years ago where she was out with concussion. So I think that's probably a good show of maturity from Adelaide that maybe things got this close partly because you don't have a Chelsea Randall. I don't want to take anything away from Geelong, but look at some of the form Randall had in the weeks before this. <clears throat> maybe, yeah, this it's a really good sign of their maturity that they can find a way to, to win without her and build upon it. Yeah, the reason I noted it as well is because the time that she was off the park against Brisbane, I don't know, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation, yada, 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 but that seemed to be when Brisbane really heaped on the goals. So I looked at it very much as they they were a bit akimbo, I suppose, without Chelsea. So the fact that they have now done a whole game without her and done well, got that win, that has to be maybe a mental barrier cleared, even if they didn't know it was a mental barrier. Don't want to admit it was a mental barrier, but they've ticked that box now. And obviously, like you said, if Chelsea Randall can play a role, if her injury obviously is on the shorter end of the spectrum, not the longer end, you want her in. We want to see her playing. We absolutely would love to see it. But like I said, such a great game, such a great finals preview. So good to see that both these teams will be making the finals interesting because we don't want it to kind of be a, a top four and a bottom four situation. But speaking of the four, this was a game we've highlighted, I want to say, for maybe a couple of weeks now in our chats about what the top four is going to look like. It was the Pies and North Melbourne. And it basically came into a discussion that we all thought whoever wins this is probably in the four. I don't think any of us expected it to play out like this, though. Were you surprised by this result with North's win? I mean, you can't not be surprised. That, that Was it five goals to one, second quarter that set it up? You can't, I guess, no. Yes, I'm surprised in the manner in which they won. Like 32 points is pretty heavy, and Collingwood have been playing well. I feel like they've maybe been getting away with a few, though. Um, but even against the Giants, they should have put the Giants away like so early in that game and their bad kicking let them down. This wasn't a problem this time around 4-1, uh, 25. They just couldn't get near it. And North are a quality team, and you say we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, where so like I feel like we've been banging on about this all season, that North have looked right up there with the best teams but not necessarily converted. They should have beaten Melbourne. They, sh- they, they would probably feel they should have beaten Brisbane. They probably feel they should have beaten Adelaide, and they're zipping three from those big games. So not only is that a points you're missing out on, it's also does hang the question mark over your group of, well, can you do it in big games? Because it's all well and good to look really good in big games and to be up to the standard, but you've got to get the results right because, and if they if they do make finals and they miss out on top four after this weekend, regardless of the result in their game, you'll be able to point to some of those results as the, as the reason why. But I think this is exactly what they needed though mature performance like sort of a breakout in that sense putting the hammer down like foot on foot on the throat foot on the accelerator whatever cliche you want to use in that second quarter and then going on with it and maintaining that dominance like Collingwood only got one goal in each quarter um it's yeah it's it's incredible and I've talked about this this North Melbourne midfield before one thing that was really big though was their their forward line that Talia Randall's such a strong focal point now um six marks to go with the two goals against Collingwood just offers a presence and we know she could take really big marks as well which is what we want up forward um and then it means if you do rest someone like a Jasmine Garner up up forward then 
they don't have quite so much pressure. You know, the number one defenders drawn elsewhere. Um, we saw they had Charlie Granville pop up for a couple as well. So, you, you know, you're not one-dimensional. It's really exciting. Like, they are just excellent. They had a good spread in terms of their midfield. It wasn't, say, just Ash Riddell getting 40 touches. Um, Ghana, I think, when we talked about, you know, the MVP candidates has to be right up there. I think she's probably going to get the coach's award. Like, 27 touches, a goal, four marks, five clearances, just the perfect impact player in terms of around the ball and also being able to make a count on the scoreboard or being able to have score involvements. And, you know, Riddell, uh, it feels like uh, Mia King's gotten better and better as the season's gone on. And, yeah, it's it's something that I reckon would have made Collingwood just have to sort of sit up and take notice. Um, I think I said that they've probably gotten away with a couple and they found a way to win, which is really important. But sometimes the trends of winning can can hide a couple of things. Not it's not papering over the cracks because they've been still a very good team. But a good team like a really good team like North Melbourne on their day can can expose you. And I guess the, the key for them is finding consistency. But yeah, it really just turns things on the head, doesn't it? Like it, it makes things really exciting coming into this final round. It adds an incredible amount of spice basically to this last round, as if it wasn't spicy enough already. But you basically said it, but I think we, we can't stress enough just how much North needed to do something like this because it's always been kind of the criticism of them that they're obviously a good team. They've always been a good team, one of the best expansion sides and all the rest of it, but there was always seemingly that gap between them and the actual premiership contenders and that was very acutely felt at the start of this season. So to see them maybe peaking at the right time, clicking into gear exactly when you want them to. It's only a positive for them. I think the fact that you mentioned Talia Randall, we know she's so good at marking, but the fact that she's now converting as well, because I feel like she had a very lean period in the middle of the season where it was just behind, 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 behind. It wasn't helping anyone. But if she's firing, we know she's going to get the ball. It's just about being accurate for her. So the fact that all of these pieces seem to be coming together and gelling at this time in the season, it's only good stuff for the ruse. I liked Darren Crocker said after the game that that second quarter where they Uh, put five goals in 16 minutes on the pies, which is bananas. He said, that's the best footy I think we've played since I've been in the program. So it's not a small statement to make. So things seem to be doing well at Arden Street. But, um, yeah, like you said, with the pies, I don't think it's panic stations. It's probably not not the way they would have liked to lose, saying that like they would have liked to lose at all. But... Certainly not panic stations for them. So um, this round 10 game is obviously going to be really important for them. They've got the Lions, which is going to be another stern test. I think this will really kind of um, either confirm or deny whether they have been getting away with things during the season or if it was just a bad day at the office against the Roos. That's exciting. It's um, it's a good chance to stand up, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've just been talking about this. I agree with you. It's far from panic stations, but Collingwood have enough quality to to step up. They did lose Ash Brazzle um, as a late withdrawal, and Ruby Schleicher spent a fair bit of time on the bench getting her hip dealt with. They said it wasn't anything that should rule her out for next week, but they've got a six day break coming into that game, so she was sort of managed. So 
plus a couple of pretty important players, um, one missing and one missing a, a chunk of the game. But yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, we know that when Collingwood play well, they can really test just about any team. Chloe Malloy, I think her form is, I don't want to say go under the radar, but I'm going to say it because I think she's been excellent and maybe hasn't been as noticed as as other players. She pops up when you need a goal, obviously, um, you know, very smart player, strong mark, and just has that presence and has, has run through the midfield a little bit. You know, we've seen her start her career, obviously, in defence as well, so can sort of pinch hit wherever they need and I think is so valuable. They're getting more out of Sabrina Frederick over the last couple of weeks as well, um, which I, th- I think she was a player who did really need to step up um, when it comes to reputation versus versus output. She'd had a couple of probably lean years compared to what she would have liked to have delivered compared to what we saw when she was at Brisbane. Um, so I think her contested marking or her just her aerial work around the ground has helped a lot. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're going to be up against it, right? And it's so high stakes. When you look at the ladder, when you look at what was at stake, you've got Brisbane who are trying to win the minor premiership and top four is still so like delicately poised. It's, it's really going to be tough. <laughs> and I think Collingwood are... They're probably in the most difficult position because you've got Richmond above you, albeit yeah, yeah, with a better percentage, and North just below them, who have a sensational percentage now. Like, and Geelong is sort of still lurking as well if they can rack it up. So it's it's a really difficult position. It is, you know, they're all must wins, but yeah, it's you know, calling it already out of the four. So the and the further down you drop, obviously you you can lose home finals. Yeah, they they really need to pull out something against Brisbane. Like you said, it's must win for both of them, but let's switch focus over to the Lions. They got the win on the weekend. The D's got the win on the weekend, and basically it's now a two-horse race between these two for the minor premiership. Uh, Brisbane go into it sitting on top. The, the closeness between these two sides is actually crazy. Like, obviously, they're both 8-1 and one at the moment. Um but turns out they're only separated by percentage and even more like specifically than that, they've conceded the same number of points. The only difference in their percentage is that Brisbane have scored 50 more and that's it. And it's, you think back to those early season dunkings that the Lions were putting on some of the other teams, that is all that is separating these two sides. So there's really like finely poised contests throughout the kind of top eight, but I suppose my question to you is who's winning that minor premiership? Who is going to be top of the ladder come next Monday? It's got to be Brisbane, doesn't it? Like I'm I'm not suggesting they're going to thumb Collingwood. I think they just need to beat Collingwood. <laughs> uh, Melbourne should get a fair old percentage boost against the Eagles. Like they should do that pretty comfortably. Um, they're just a much better team than West Coast and they're on song and Kate Hawes kicking goals for fun, and Garen Paxman's found some really good form. Um, understatement was excellent against Essen. After I think she's sort of um, been, uh, they've decreased their reliance on her with Liv Purcell really stepping up. So when Paxi, you know, turns it on, it's not, not a surprise because she's an excellent player, but it's not the expectation. Whereas maybe in previous seasons they needed Paxman to be starring every week um but yeah it's all clicking it's all clicking for melbourne but 
Brisbane have a, have enough of a percentage gap that I think they just need to get a, a handy win over Collingwood. It can even be tight and they'll be right. Um, but, geez, I wouldn't want to be West Coast this weekend because I think Melbourne will be, will be uh, yeah, putting the foot right down and going in for the kill. I was saying earlier today to uh, some of the other footy folks at ESPN that um, that Eagles-Demons game, obviously the Demons will be going for that big win, aiming for it, but um, we can't discount the third team at Casey Fields, which is the Wind, who may well play a role in this game and in this result. So we'll see how that one plays out. I suppose then if we're backing in the Lions for the minor premiership, which I 100% agree with you. I've been very bullish on them. Sarah has been as well throughout the season. Are you then carrying that optimism, I suppose, into actual finals or like are they still the premiership favourites, I suppose, is my question. My vibe is it's Brisbane or Melbourne. Um, and Brisbane gave Melbourne a bit of a touch-up, but Melbourne started like a house on fire against them, albeit at the weird and wonderful Casey. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be one of those two. I think Brisbane are my favourites at the moment. They just look so clean. I know Richmond did them in that game, but really Brisbane should have still found a way to at least get a draw there. We obviously had the Dakota Davidson just little um, brain fade in the goal square when she went to play on. Um, taking anything away from Richmond, they deserve that win. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Brisbane. I, every year I go, oh, this could be Melbourne's year. So maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> they might actually win it. The the old reverse jinx. It could be a thing. It could work. Um, what are you saying, Marissa? No, I'm the, I'm pretty sure I tipped Brisbane in my predictions, so I'm sticking by it. I just, even though I know that Melbourne can also score on a team quickly and heavily and have all of those outlets, every time I think about the Brisbane forward line in particular, I just kind of think. Wow. Who do you stop? You can't because whoever you do stop, two other people are going to start scoring on you. Their defence is magnificent. They've got so many good players in the midfield. It it boggles my mind. But then I say all of this like Melbourne doesn't also have an exceptionally strong thing. But, yeah, I'm backing Brisbane just because I have no further reasoning. But let's look ahead to round 10 because it is the big round. It's the final round of the regular season. We've previewed the Lions pies a fair bit in this chat. So I think we can both comfortably say it's one that we'll definitely be watching. But the other one we've definitely got earmarked here is North Melbourne v Richmond. Like you said, they sit either side of the pies on the ladder. So they'll both be vying for that top four position. Richmond are in exceptional form um it's seven or eight in a row now grace egan has dubbed it the hot girl hot streak which i simply love so much i think there was a stat as well a couple of weeks ago in three seasons they had won six games and then in about six weeks of this season they had won the equivalent amount of games so they really truly are in incredibly fine form we'll be playing their first final series what are your kind of feelings and vibes for this North uh, North Melbourne v Richmond game? Oh, pumped. It's like got two of the most dynamic players in the competition. I, I pumped up Jasmine Garner before, but Monconti 
Uh, Marissa, it's very funny because when we were talking about can Maddie Prasparkas win the competition best and fairest a couple of weeks ago, we were like, here's a couple of other names. I just didn't mention Monconti, who at least one of us, I reckon, tipped preseason for the BNF. I think I tipped her last season to win it. She's got to be the outright favourite, right? Is she the best player in the comp at the moment? She may well be. And I feel like every time we have spoken about BNF potential, the asterisk with Moncon has always been if Richmond win games, then surely mm. she has to. But the the asterisk and the question mark was always on Richmond, never on her. So the fact that Richmond has now, you know, provided that support by getting the wins, you'd, you'd be silly not to back her in. Obviously there are other excellent players, but she, she just dazzles. She is dazzling. So I I think she may well be not only the best player in the comp, but a very firm favourite for the BNF. She does it all as well. Like she had eight tackles the other day. Like obviously the eye-catching stats are 24 touches and three goals, right? Five marks as well. That's pretty handy. Eight tackles. <laughs> like this is a player that just does it all. She's averaging yeah, she's averaging something like just under six tackles a game this year. And this is when she is the superstar that everyone else should be trying to tackle, right? And you just see her. It feels like she's reaping the rewards of these couple of seasons where she's not trying to juggle with basketball. I think it's made a big difference in terms of being able to fully invest in her footy um, and probably just isn't quite so tired, I'd imagine. Like it's a mentally as well as literally, you know, physically fatiguing, um, having to juggle two sports. Trying to excel in both would be difficult, and she is just such a natural footballer. She is a star. Um, Richmond, I think they look a much better team, obviously, when Katie Brennan's in it. I think she makes their forward line function, um, takes pressure off Wakefield, who I reckon is fantastic. Um, they, they're sharing the goals around now. We saw Stella Reid kick a couple. Um, that Grace Egan goal was sensational, that long bomb. Um, and when you've got Conti chipping in from midfield and kicking some as well, a bit of a throwback to her early days at the Western Bulldogs um, with their work up forward. Yeah, they're just so exciting. <laughs> like, I reckon this is going to be a really interesting game. I, I'm really uh, really not sure which way we'll go. I think Ellie McKenzie's season has been a bit underrated as well. She's super silky. Um, I think that's probably the other thing is they've got the support act around Mon Conti as well now. They've got a few other players that can win the 40 They've got player like Egan is another. She had 20 touches on the weekend. I know they're doing it against GWS, who aren't, you know, top of the ladder sort of opponent. But, you know, this team beat Brisbane. <laughs> They've gone toe-to-toe with plenty of other good teams. They'd be backing themselves. Um, but I reckon this is just poised beautifully. Like North finally hitting their straps. Richmond are in form. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. They had a couple of little injury niggles. Both teams actually. Emma Carney had a bit of a sore knee after a collision with her teammate. She had Vicky Wall, I think, fall on her leg. Um, so she just has to get through that. I think they're pretty confident she would. Um, and Courtney Wakefield was a test with a shoulder. But you think this time of the year, top four spots on the line, it's going to be a few girls playing through pain. I can't wait. I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> I've got, I'm very afraid to to do my tips for that specific game this weekend. And I know it is the cliche and it's almost become a bit of a joke with the whole, Mon, did you know, fun fact, Mon Conti didn't play basketball this season to focus full-time on footy. But 
it's obviously working. And I always think of Elise Perry and part of me is like, did people not see that as soon as she stopped doing the juggling act of soccer and cricket? Trajectory. Her, like, and she's now one of the best cricketers in the world and has been for some time. And I just, I look at that and I'm like, did everyone else not see that or did they not understand it? So I'm completely unsurprised that the further we get into Moncon focusing more on football, the better she seems to be getting, which is ridiculous because she was already fantastic to start with when she was juggling. Mm. So blows my tiny mind. But, yeah, this I'm really hoping for another kind of cat's crow situation where it's tight, it's contested, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's that finals intensity before we actually get into finals. And by the looks of it, we absolutely are going to get that exact kind of game. Um do you, if you know if Melbourne, do you contemplate a hard tag on Monconti, knowing how damaging she can be? I think you'd have to. It would definitely be in the in the discussions in the coaches' room right now because it it's not to say that no Moncon, no Richmond, but you you definitely have to explore the option of at the very least minimizing her effect on the game because. We know that she is super influential and from memory, I can't remember who employed it, but someone did go the tag earlier in the season and, you know, she still racked up some numbers, but it was a much more minimal Moncom performance. So I suppose it comes down to does North have someone that can play that role? Do they want to focus so heavily on Conti mm. and maybe... Sacrificial role when they've exactly. got such a good midfield themselves. Exactly. So obviously uh, the, the coaching staff there are having these discussions and moving their magnets yeah. and whatnot. But, um, yeah, definitely would be, at, at the very least, considering it. How do you feel about it? Would you go for it? Um, I think a lot of teams... Would probably go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like North will back themselves in. Um, or you get a player who can work both ways. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite difficult because she's so classy, but she's also very good at winning her own ball. It's hard to tag players who are good at winning their own ball. But, yeah, I think – I don't think North will. Mm-hmm. I think they'll back. And I don't think – I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just – We'll be curious to see if they do. Yeah. Uh, they may well go more of a head-to-head role where you try and limit her influence and say – and go win the ball yourself while you're at it. That might be there. Or if you, you know, get it to go head to head with a Jasmine Garner, so you got mm. a strong, maybe a stronger body. Can you get past it that way? It's tough. Mm. Don't envy these guys having to move their magnets around. That's why they're coaches and we're just podcasters. But um, there is one other game that I wanted to highlight in round 10, the Frio v Hawks game. Not really expecting much on the field, but wanted to highlight it for two retirements. So it will be the final Mm. game for Jess Duffin and the final game for Cara Antonio. And particularly for Juddy, it's going to be a big one. She's missed the whole season through injury, but has been cleared to play this final game in WA at Fremantle Oval. It's, it's, It's going to be a really big emotional day obviously for her for Ebony for the entire team and a huge day for Jess as well because they've both been such stalwarts of the competition so how are you feeling about the retirements of of two really like integral foundation players of the AFLW yeah I'll start with um Cara Antonio or Juddy um one of the pioneers and started her footy over here in Melbourne playing for 
for St Albans actually in the old VWFL um, and was such a I remember when I was working at Melbourne she was part of Melbourne for the exhibition games and was really good then she's so hard running so hard working such a great trainer can kick goals can could really do it all as a midfielder and I guess that's it's, it's kind of the sad thing I guess it's been in the conversation when people talk about maybe a, a Daisy Pierce's influence for example is their some of their best years we weren't lucky enough to see because it was in you know the WAWFL or it was in the VWFL or it was in even just the exhibition games where you only got to see him play once or twice a year but fortunately with Juddy we got to see some of her best footy still in the AFLW, inaugural captain at Fremantle, inaugural marquee player. She was All-Australian in 2017, was also their leading goal kicker, um, could play as a forward, so dynamic and just hard running through midfield and just a, a really, really top person as well. And I think Freer will be unlucky a couple of years back when that season got prematurely ended. That, that probably would have been a really good shot for them to win a flag and then it's sort of not happen from there. As you mentioned, um, Juddy and her wife, Ebony, as well, had a lot of the season wiped out with injuries and, and illness. And um, I'm really happy for them that they get to to line up together in Frio colours one more time. Um, and as for Jess Duffin, as you know, I, I know Jess from um, her sister, Andy, um, but also played a little bit with Jess. I know Jess, fantastic person, great athlete across two different sports. Like, you know, it's been a cricket World Cup player of the tournament has, you know, done it all in, in cricket and then in footy. Um, I think, again, had we been in a different era, probably would have been the st- one of the stars. And I, I always wonder, um, it was funny, I was talking with Andy on Twitter about this, about <laughs> you would have liked to have seen her play more forward because we saw in that exhibition game from when she played for Melbourne and she kicked six goals at the MCG. You go, just such a quality player. And we saw the glimpses of that um, a few weeks ago for Hawthorne and obviously kicked their only goal the other the other day. So, yeah, just two really good people and fantastic athletes and um, figures in AFLW. And I think their teammates have been very lucky to learn from them this season. I know um, Juddie's been working as the forwards coach at Freo while she's been out injured and hopefully um, there's some sort of involvement for her down the track. But, yeah, just quality people quality footballers and and the game's poorer for losing these people but their influence I think is what what carries on um at their respective clubs so it's always sad this this part of the year right like you're coming into finals but at the same time you know that there are going to be some journeys ending and they're two pretty pretty quality people so yeah they'll be missed it's retirement season, unfortunately, but I, I keep thinking about what you said just about the if we had been in a different era and that's the kind of thing that I always focus on with players like this where we're so lucky we got to see as much of them as we did, but it's just a real bloody shame that we didn't get to see more of them had, you know, things uh, panned out differently and women's footy, you know, was... um a bit more of a priority and became what it currently is that little bit sooner. So unfortunately I doubt they'll be the only names we have to say goodbye to this season, but obviously one last time we'll get to watch them and hopefully it's a cracking game for both players, but 
I think that's us done for today. As always, you can read all our AFLW stuff over on ESPN.com.au. Round 10 is going to be massive. Hopefully we'll have the whole gang back to review that round and also have a little look ahead to final. So very exciting. Make sure to get your tips in and we'll see you all next week. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.